Here's the problem. Your organization will give you the title, the pay, and the people, but they won't necessarily equip you to lead. And not feeling equipped leads you to feeling more stress and burnout. You just need to learn the right proactive tools to get ahead of the daily fires you always seem to be fighting in leadership. And I've put together a leadership checklist that I use to help you have the tools you need to focus on and take critical action in the most essential areas of leadership. If you follow this checklist, you'll conquer leadership in these four areas, the head or mindset, the heart or relationships, the hands or execution, and the guts or accountability. Click on the link in the show notes or go to leadershipontherocks.com slash checklist to get your free leadership checklist so that you can post it on your wall and reference it often. Be encouraged, friend, and know that you are leading for such a time as this. Again, click on the link in the show notes or go to leadershipontherocks.com slash checklist to get your free leadership checklist. And y'all, I'm talking leadership of an organization, a department, a team, a church group, and a family. The beauty of these four areas of leadership is that it makes you a better leader no matter who you're leading. From leading a company to leading a family, these four principles of leadership should forever be what you build your life and leadership on. This is the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese. And in today's episode, we're gonna learn about the four areas you must conquer if you have any chance of surviving or thriving in leadership. Here's the problem, and you've heard me say this before on this podcast. (laughs) When it comes to your leadership role at work, your organization will give you the title, the pay, and the people, but they won't necessarily equip you to lead. And the same is also kind of true of when you first get married or when you have your first kid. You have no idea what to do. You are not equipped for the relationship or for the job of parenting. And that's pretty normal. So make sure you hear me say this. It is normal to be overwhelmed, especially if you're new to a role. Uh, If you're married for the first time, if you're having a kid for the first time, or maybe even the second, because two is 10 with kids, am I right? Or maybe you're just stepping into a new leadership role. Chances are you're going to feel bombarded with all the problems that you need to solve or resolve and the conflicts that you have, and you have no idea what to do. That's normal, but it can also make you feel overwhelmed and even cause you a little bit of burnout. And that can take a negative toll on your health and your family. And y'all, life's too short to hate your job and to be miserable in your personal life. So despite your lack of training on how to be a leader or even how to be a parent or a spouse, today we're going to cover the four areas of leadership that you can conquer in all of those relationships and roles that you play. These four areas, really, (laughs) whether it's leading at home or leading at work, are what you need to know in order to not only survive, but thrive. And again, I'm talking leadership of an organization, a department, a team, a church group, and a family. The beauty of these four areas of leadership is that it makes you a better leader no matter who you're leading. From leading a company to leading a family, these four principles of leadership should forever be what you build your life and leadership on. 
So stretch if you need to, because you're fixing to get a real education in life up in here today, (laughs) y'all. The four areas of leadership that you need to conquer are one, the head of leadership or mindset. Two, the heart of leadership or relationships. Three, the hands of leadership or execution. And four, the guts of leadership or accountability. If you conquer these four areas, you are not only going to survive your toddler, your teenager, your spouse, and your volunteer group, you're also going to survive your work teams. (laughs) And you are going to start not only surviving, but thriving in life. So why does all of leadership boil down to these four areas? One, because leaders constantly deal with problems, conflicts, and constraints. So they need to have the right internal mindset to handle all of that negativity From toddler and teenage fits to adults that aren't adulting, all the way to market constraints, you can't let any of those situations blow your gasket. You have to have the right mindset. Number two, leadership boils down to this area because your work or home culture will make or break your mental health and your role and your results. So you need to build the right relationships. Number three, because without structure, there will be chaos and a lack of results. And you don't want chaos at home or at work. So you need to have and know how to execute the right plan for you. And number four, because you'll need to grow people and maybe let a few go. So you need to know how to have the right level of accountability. So let's jump right in to the head of leadership or developing a leader mindset. Honestly, the biggest battle you'll ever face in leadership and in life is the one in your own head. So the first leadership area you have to conquer if you have any chance of surviving or thriving in leadership is your head or your mindset. Why is this? Honestly, it's because our mindset affects our experiences. People in every role, doesn't matter what role you're in, every person everywhere, is going to experience a lot of internal and interpersonal challenges. New leaders, new parents, newlyweds, and insert being new to any role, and you especially feel bombarded with so many problems to solve, conflicts to resolve, and constraints to overcome that you feel immediately overwhelmed. And to feel overwhelmed is not a great experience. Now, for those of us who are a little more seasoned, We get more stuck in our ways. (laughs) We have ruts of thinking that we have to overcome, and that usually causes more conflict. That, and sometimes we're just more cranky. (laughs) But it it doesn't really matter what happens externally that has people feeling overwhelmed and overloaded in leadership. It's really what's happening internally with our mindset that produces that feeling. Now, according to psychologist Dr. Gary Klein, a mindset is a belief that orients the way we handle situations the way we sort out what's going on and what we should do. And this principle is such an important truth that I have a whole podcast episode dedicated to it. So if you want to learn more about mindset and paradigm, then head back to episode three and learn all about that. Because y'all, our mindset is like this invisible force that's constantly impacting our mental health and our actions within every experience. And we don't even recognize it. Our mindset has such a huge influence on how we experience our world and our work, and it can create great resistance and internal conflict that has us feeling everything from stress and frustration to feeling downright overwhelmed and paralyzed. And this is why we need to start with having the mindset of a leader. 
Because to truly grow into a better leader, spouse, parent, family member, or friend, we have to pull the curtains back on how we engage with the world. So whether it's leading your family, a team, or an entire company, by better understanding how your mind is naturally set to think about things, you can better learn how to adjust those settings to experience situations differently. So here's what you need to know. Your actions follow your thoughts and emotions every time. (laughs) By being intentional and thinking about your mindset, you can better prepare yourself for the internal conflict that takes place when you have an experience, especially experiencing those day-to-day leadership problems and all of that external conflict that you're going to have when you encounter other people. People in leadership roles that don't have the power to slow their role (laughs) or adjust their thinking, they drive everyone crazy because they have big emotions and overreactions. They're the ones that pop off at the mouth and cause even more conflict and drama. They're the ones that react instead of respond, and they're the ones that lose trust and respect. And those in leadership that can't adjust their thinking are the ones that are overwhelmed by day and struggling with insomnia and anxiety by night. So here's what you need to do. Reframe your thoughts. Ultimately, your mindset or how you think about things is going to influence your feelings and your actions. So the power of developing a leader mindset is the power of capturing your thoughts before they spiral out of control into those big emotions and actions. It's only a split second action, really, (laughs) to capture one's thoughts before they spiral out of control into those strong emotions. But trust me, y'all, it can be done. Because here's what you need to know. By reframing your thoughts, you can actually stop the stories in your head that are causing those big emotions, that are causing anxiety and stress and overwhelm. When a negative situation happens at work, and it will happen, You can have the mindset of a leader and reframe your thoughts by asking questions or saying declaration statements. So for example, you could ask, well, how can I zoom out and see the bigger picture? Or what's the root cause here? Now, this also applies at home. So when your toddler or your teenager has a meltdown, it's probably because they're having a lot of emotions and they don't have the skills to express that emotion in a better way. Because the natural science and biology behind the human brain is that people can't think clearly when they're overwhelmed and full of strong emotions. So you can capture your thoughts and remind yourself that your toddler and your teenager are going to have big emotions and they can't think clearly through them. So you don't need to react to their emotions, but instead respond by helping them process their emotions. Again, toddlers don't have the language to express how they're feeling. And teenagers, part of going through adolescence is just wearing your emotions on your sleeve. So they have huge emotions. But instead of reacting and escalating the situation by saying, don't talk to me that way. And y'all, that is such an escalating statement. (laughs) You can instead respond by saying, I see that you're really upset. Help me understand why you're feeling angry. Now, this is a de-escalating statement. And once you calm that big emotion down, you can work through what the actual problem is. Now at work, let's say a project isn't going right and you're feeling a ton of stress and anxiety about it. You can remind yourself of a declaration statement like, this project is going bad, but this project doesn't define me. Or you can say something like, I'm doing the best I can with what I've been given. 
These statements release that pressure of thinking that the project's success is aligned to your self-worth. It's just a project and you are going to figure out how to improve it. You are, you are going to figure out how to take those steps forward. So let's recap leadership area number one that you need to conquer. Area number one is in your own head. You need to conquer the head of leadership or developing a leader mindset. People with a leader mindset understand that their actions follow their thoughts and emotions. So they develop the ability to slow their thinking, stop the spiral of thoughts and stories by reframing or adjust their mindset settings so that they can respond instead of react. Leadership is literally all about influencing others. So the second leadership area you must conquer if you have any chance of surviving or thriving in leadership is your heart or relationships. Why? Because people will bring us the most joy, but they're also going to bring us the most heartburn and heartache. Without positive relationships, there is no way you can make a positive impact on a friend, a family, a culture, a team, a department, or an organization. Because guess what? Friendships, families, cultures, teams, departments, organizations, they're made up of people. Yeah, I know. Thank you, Captain Obvious, right? (laughs) In leadership, people are your greatest asset and your greatest responsibility. So if you want to make a positive impact, you had better know how to positively interact with others. And that starts with knowing how to build positive relationships with others. Because here's the truth, y'all. All people want to feel seen, heard, and valued. So you as a leader need to learn how to see, hear, and value people. And that's what builds positive relationships. Bad or even weak relationships create a family and work culture that is riddled with mistrust, conflict, drama, and of course, poor results. When we are intentional in building positive relationships, our family and work culture becomes more productive in our desired outcomes, and we're better able to survive any challenge thrown at it. So just imagine having better Thanksgiving dinners where people don't blow up and storm out because of politics or, you know, a team that can easily adjust and survive the crisis of like the pandemic or the supply chain constraints. Because relationships are the bloodline to the culture of your family and your team, relationships are the quickest way to poison or heal a family or work culture. Now, having a positive relationship doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with your teenager and let them do whatever, you know, she wants to do just so you can get her to like you. Notice I didn't say that having a positive relationship doesn't mean that you're constantly giving in to other people's desires. I said seeing, hearing, and valuing people builds positive relationships. Now, this requires that you aren't selfish in the relationship, that you aren't completely self-focused on what's going on in your world and completely ignoring them in their world. So let's talk about seeing for a second. Do you physically take time to be present with others and give them eye contact? Now, the first offender here is pretty obvious. We're not physically present with people anymore. We send emails and texts now. (laughs) Email has almost completely replaced all forms of communication in the office. So bosses rarely get out to see their employees anymore because they're stuck behind a desk, probably reading their email. 
We even text our family members, y'all, in the same house. And, you know, speaking of our home, our family schedules tend to be so full of activities that we don't even have time to sit down for a family meal anymore. I mean, go to any restaurant or public place and notice how many people are not engaged with their friends or family. They're on their phones. Now at home, parents, so often we're busy, we're multitasking that we don't stop and give our kids our full attention. We got to do a better job at that. And at work, how many times do we have a conversation whenever we, you know, take the phone out of our pocket because it buzzed or we look at that dead gum smartwatch because we got a text. We are literally saying, I'm sorry, you're not more valuable than this text. This text is more important than you. So stop doing that. Physically lean in and turn towards people. Give them your full attention. And yes, that even means eye contact. Let them feel seen. Now, as a side note to parents of younger children, I did teach in elementary for a while, and I can tell you, it makes such a huge difference when you get down on their eye level for a conversation. By not appearing like a giant, (laughs) but being at their eye level, you're going to have a better conversation, and you're going to learn so much more about your kiddo. Now, second, let's talk about listening. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up and listen. We are so selfish with our conversations, just like we're selfish with our time. We typically listen to others only to craft our own responses. We have to stop. Lean in and listen for what they're saying and how they're saying it. Ask questions to get them to elaborate more. When people speak, they don't always say what they're feeling or what they're thinking. So listen, help them to feel safe to share what's on their mind and their heart. When people feel emotionally safe, they're more willing to be vulnerable and tell you things. And being vulnerable not only destroys the armor that we all have on that we're walking around in, it also allows us to admit our faults and be open to feedback for growth. Now, third, value people. Everyone has value. And that's a statement of declaration. That's not a question. Listen, everyone has value. But most people don't feel valued. And that's also the truth. And it's so sad to know that people can and do have value but they don't feel it. We don't call out other people's value nearly enough. Most of our interactions with people are actually negative. They're not very encouraging. We talk about the problems. We don't ever talk about, you know, the value that they're adding. So, you know, in school, we always talked about having a three to one, three positive comments to that one corrective comment. So we have got to do a better job of making people feel valued. So start telling people the good that you see into them, call it out. Make them feel valued because without positive relationships, there is no way you can make a positive impact on a friend, a family, a culture, or a team. Now you'll, you'll definitely make an impact, but it just may not be a positive one. It could be a complete negative one. So if you want a close family and a work culture that's positive, takes feedback and can weather any storm, then make people feel seen, heard, and valued. Conquer area number two of leadership, the heart, and be intentional in building positive relationships with others where they feel seen, heard, and valued. Happy and functioning families don't just happen. And results on the job don't just happen. Families and jobs take work. If you are thinking about getting married or you have been married only a little while, y'all, marriage 
takes work. (laughs) So the third leadership area you must conquer if you have any chance of surviving or thriving in leadership, it's your hands or the execution of work. Why? Because whether it's providing a safe and stable household at home or increasing profits and quality of service at work, you've been charged with carrying out responsibilities to get results. Now, results for a family usually mean providing security of everyone's emotional and physical needs. And if you have kids, it also means that you're raising them with the skills they need to leave your home and function as a responsible adult. Results for work, though, usually mean that you've been hired to improve results, profits, scores, or quality of life or service, whatever applies to your industry. And now (laughs) know that the results you're responsible for obtaining as a leader of a family or a team, then you need a plan. You need to execute a plan that moves your family and team towards those goals and results that you're wanting. But (laughs) whether it's leading a family or a team at work, too often our leadership falls victim to the problems caused by chaos, conflict, and constraints. Chaos, y'all, is just caused by a lack of structure. So if you have chaos in your home, you need more structure. Conflict is usually caused by a lack of or bad communication. So if you have a lot of conflict at work or in your relationships, you need better communication. And constraints, well, they're caused by a lack of time, resources, or know-how. Some of those you can control and be proactive in, some you can't. Now, add to the chaos, the conflict, and the constraints, the fact that most people waste time and and their energy on things that are not mission critical, and what you have is a recipe for ineffective leadership and poor results. Or to say it another way, a dysfunctional family and a team. (laughs) Now, if you want to be effective and efficient, listen up. To be effective or successful in producing whatever the desired result is, then you need to decide and communicate a plan to your family or your team on what's most essential or mission critical in life and in work. Now, if you want to be efficient, to be efficient or achieve that maximum productivity with minimum wasted resources, then you need to simplify. (laughs) Simplify the expectations or the work that you're asking your family and team to do to achieve those results. Now, ultimately, What I'm talking about is to think about what you really want for your family and your team and then backwards design a plan of action that's going to get you there. So for example, I've said this before on the podcast, our ultimate goal for our kids is that they have a personal relationship with Jesus. They build great relationships so that they can have a great marriage in life and that they pay their bills. (laughs) And now with the teenager, I say, and you pay your bills legally. Those are our top three goals. So we backwards design to make sure we're teaching them about faith, about how to be a disciple. We're teaching them about relationships and communication. And then we're teaching them about finances and work. That's what we do. We're very intentional. But, you know, too often we let life just happen to us. We, we follow our situations. We're not intentional with them. So intentions, intentional, intentionality, y'all, any way you say it, When you use these words, you're asking about someone's plan, aim, or deliberate actions or purpose in something. So I have a question for you. What are your intentions? What's your intentions with your life, your family, your work? Now, you've probably heard the old adage, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And oh, it's so true. 
But are you being intentional about the ounce? Or are you so used to serving up the pound that you don't really even think about it anymore? I mean, seriously, have we as a society accepted that, you know, it's just the way it is. We've accepted that story for ourselves. Have we become victims to our life and our work circumstances? Have we become powerless to the man, to the machine, to the calendar, to the market constraints, to the cell phone, and to the debt? How can we take back our lives and our work from all the external forces pushing us to accept chaos, busyness, stress, and anxiety as normal? The answer is to conquer leadership area number three, and execute a proactive plan that is intentional in moving you towards the results you want. I didn't say perfect plan. I just said a proactive plan. So how can we be intentional in our leadership of our families and our teams? So let me start with just two examples of being intentional. And for the family, I already talked about what my family does big picture wise. So I'm going to talk about finances. So let's start with personal finance because that tends to be a huge stressor in families. So shoes, tires, a roof, and an AC unit. We all know we're gonna need to replace them eventually. So one way to be intentional is to prepare the finances now so that when the time comes, you're ready. This is called budgeting for your true expenses. So for example, Jason and I had a season early in our marriage (laughs) where we dreaded the time when we had to reconcile the checkbook. Yes, we've been married that long. We had that checkbook. We would literally pray for divine intervention to occur so that our expenses of our lifestyle didn't overrun our income. Now, we quickly learned that we didn't like playing that Russian roulette game with our finances, so we started using digital envelopes to plan for our actual expenses. So for the last 15 years, every single paycheck we've received, we put a few dollars in our true expenses envelopes so that it builds up over time. I'm talking now, I know this sounds a little crazy with it, but we have an envelope for yearly fees, for auto, for personal care, you know, you got to get those haircuts, for clothing, for household. And in the past four years, we have literally bought one new AC unit, one new roof, two sets of tires. Well, now three, my son just had to get a new one. He had a hole in his and then a ton of shoes for our kids. Because of our envelopes, we were ready. All right, so now let's talk about having a proactive plan at work. (laughs) Now hear me out on this. Focus your time and energy on what is mission critical. We spend way too much time at work on things that actually don't make progress towards our goals. Hello, ineffective meetings and a CYA email culture. We're so busy meeting about the work and then emailing about the work that we don't actually accomplish a lot of the work. (laughs) As a leader, it's your job to execute and get results. And ultimately, there's four things you need to do at work. First, you need to have a plan or at least backwards design those actions from your desired results to the first steps you and your team needs to take. You need to think through achieving short-term goals and then long-term goals and then being ready for an emergency by developing a contingency plan. In the simplest of definitions, a plan is just identifying the desired outcomes and then identify the strategy and tactics that you are going to take to get there. Now, second, you need to be proactive. Identify and mitigate typical obstacles, constraints, or risks by adding proactive actions to your plan. 
Think through what we've learned about all this psychology when it comes to people and work, right? People want to be seen, heard, and valued. Work to anticipate what people need before they need it. Provide structure and clear communication. And then coach them up. Encourage them. You're doing a great job. Keep adding value. And when you build up that safety, you can give them feedback on how to make it better. Now, third, look at the work within your plan and streamline it. You've heard the phrase, kiss it. Keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) Find the best way to get from point A to point B with the least amount of resistance, but also getting the biggest return on the resources you've invested. Don't have people operating at their highest point of frustration where everything's important right now because it's popular. You want them operating at their highest point of contribution because they're focused on what's most essential or mission critical. They're doing the right thing for the right reason at the right time. Now, fourth, with work, protect the workday. Look for and then reduce or eliminate anything that wastes time and energy and resources. And you could start with cutting down your meetings and emails and focus on only having those effective and efficient meetings and emails. Now, to recap, whether you're leading a family, a team, or an organization in leadership, it's not about what you know, it's about what you do that makes the difference. So the third leadership area you must conquer if you have any chance of surviving or thriving in leadership are your hands, the execution of work. So be intentional in having a plan that's proactive in leading your family and your team towards the results you want. Okay, as we get ready to reveal the fourth area of leadership, I have a secret to reveal to you. (laughs) You didn't marry the perfect person. You don't have the perfect kids. And you don't work with the perfect coworkers. Oh, and by the way, you're not perfect either. (laughs) With all this imperfection running through our family and work lives, if you have any chance of surviving or thriving in leadership, then you must conquer the fourth area of leadership, the guts or accountability. Why? (laughs) Because accountability is the difference between keeping status quo of chaos and conflict or making progress towards your end goals. And this means as a leader, you need to lead those hard conversations that talk about the mistakes, that talks about the bad behavior and the poor performance. Ultimately, it means that you need to speak up about things that matter. But I have to warn you, as a leader, accountability, conflict, and having the hard conversations can often be our kryptonite, meaning we avoid it at all costs. Just like Superman is awesome. You know, he's awesome at saving the world and making the world feel safe. When he comes close to kryptonite, he loses all of his power. Leaders can be awesome and charismatic and inspirational and organized and, 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 and until it comes to conflict and accountability, and then they lose their credibility. By running away from accountability or sweeping things under the rug, you are undermining your leadership. I seriously can't emphasize that enough. When you run away from accountability, you're undermining your leadership. Your team knows what you allow. And, you know, they know that when you're passing out those mandates, all because that one person isn't doing their job, don't do that. You know, your kids, (laughs) this is called armchair parenting, by the way, your kids know whenever you're holding them accountable to something or a set of behavior standards and you don't follow it yourself. 
Don't do that. Hold yourself accountable to those same standards. Be willing to step into those hard conversations and hold yourself accountable and others accountable. Be willing to admit that mistake or that bad decision that you had. Be willing to provide feedback in a safe way where they can receive it. Now, podcast episode number 10 is totally dedicated to showing you how to step into those hard conversations to resolve conflict using the ACDC method. So be sure to go back to episode 10 if you are needing more information on how to have that hard conversation and you you know don't know where to start. Start with episode 10. But I'm going to jump back to accountability because y'all accountability is really all about being a good steward, being a good steward for the people under our care and then adding value to them and the family and the organization. That's leadership. So stepping into your parenting, your marriage and your leadership role with eyes wide open about the truth of being a leader, you need to know something. Marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. Leadership is hard. Stop thinking that it shouldn't be. (laughs) Working through conflict is hard. Any kind of relationship, that's hard. Addressing poor performance is hard. Holding people accountable, including yourself, is hard. And leading in a crisis is hard. But stepping into these things as opposed to running from them is what leadership is truly about. As a leader, you need to know that you're accountable. That means responsible for the actions and results under your leadership. That means you're responsible for yourself and what you allow within your family and your team. And honestly, accountability at work has more clear boundaries than accountability at home. (laughs) And you might actually think the opposite is true, but let me explain. It's true that when it comes to being responsible for other people, there's clear boundaries when you're not responsible for the cause of their actions, but you still have to lead through the effects of their actions. Okay. So for example, if you live or work with someone who has a mental health disorder or an addiction, you're not responsible for their decisions, behaviors, and actions, but you are responsible for what you do in response to their behavior. And at work, it's actually easier to hold them accountable for their behavior, no matter what the cause was, uh, even if you couldn't proactively mitigate it. Because if you show up to work high or you cuss out a coworker because you're off your meds, you know, the leader and HR is still going to hold you accountable. But when you have a teenager that struggles, let's say, with bipolar disorder, you can't fire them. You can't send a teenager home on short term disability. Her condition is beyond your control, but you still have to lead her through that and your family through maybe trying to get access to proper mental health care or supporting your family, especially younger children through those traumatic situations where maybe that child has lost control. By leading even through the hard situations beyond your control, you're still holding yourself and others accountable. So even if you had no control over the situation, you are still accountable to lead through it. So in the end, know that again, you may not be responsible for things beyond your control, but recognize that you do actually have more control and power of choice to lead through hard situations more than you think you do. Now, as a leader, you can honestly, though, proactively mitigate most chaos, problems, conflicts, and constraints with just clear communication and a plan. But when those situations occur that are beyond your control and they're going to happen, You're still accountable to lead your family and coworkers through them. And you cannot and should not, no matter what, play the victim in any situation that happens. 
Y'all, we are a society that has played the victim card too long. We're blaming others for our current circumstances. Leadership takes having a strong back to carry the weight of responsibility for the current circumstances. Good leaders, essential leaders, don't point the finger or pass the buck. They take action. And then they take responsibility for their actions. Accountable leaders do the hard things. They make the hard decisions and they have the hard conversations to move their family and their teams forward. Again, leaders have to have that strong back to carry the weight of accountability in their role. And unfortunately, too many people in leadership positions are continually shying away from true leadership. They emotionally crumble under the stresses of leading in a crisis, or they avoid conflict at all costs and they sweep bad behavior and poor performance under the rug. When you become silent or turn a blind eye to bad behavior or poor performance, you're essentially accepting it as okay. When it comes to accountability, remember to be kind, not nice. Because most people, y'all, are too nice in their leadership roles. So let me stretch your brain a little bit on this thought. It is possible (laughs) that nice is really not being nice. It's about selfish ambition. You know, am I really being nice when I let things go in order for me to avoid conflict? Am I being nice uh, on the outside when I'm compliant and following a person's request, even though I'm bitter on the inside because I said yes? Am I really being nice if I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings so I turn my head and just hope for the best outcome, even though they're having terrible bad behavior? Yeah, that's, that's not what we want. In leadership, you can't be nice. You must be kind. Now, I want you to think Mary Poppins here. <laughs> Firm, but kind. Kind lives in environment and speaks in a way that the other person can actually receive the message because that person knows that you have their best interest at heart. So here's what you need to know. Kindness has the person's best interest at heart. For example, it is kind to provide individual feedback to the kid who's breaking a rule or to the employee that's breaking an expectation. So don't send an email scolding the whole team for that one person and don't yell at the whole family for the one kid. Have a conversation. You know, it's kind to give feedback to the employee who lost their temper with a coworker or to the kid who acted out in public. Give feedback, it is kind. And kindness is really about setting people up for success by structuring their environment so they feel safe and they know what's expected of them. And two, it also provides that environment where they can receive that feedback from you because they know you have their best interest at heart. Remember that armchair parenting? Kids who see their parents break the rules, (laughs) they don't take feedback well from them. They see that you're being a hypocrite there. So don't do that. When people feel safe and valued and they know that you're holding yourself accountable to the same standard that you're holding them accountable to, they're going to be more vulnerable. And that means more open to hearing, accepting, and taking action on the feedback. But if there's no trust in the relationship, Your feedback may as well just hit a brick wall because you're the villain in their story all the time. They're the victim, you're the villain. So build that environment that fosters safety so you can promote that feedback. So when people aren't performing or when kids are misbehaving or causing conflict or reacting badly, it is kind to speak up and say something and not let that bad behavior continue. 
Now, if you need to mentally help yourself speak up about, you know, your kid's behavior or you're an employee, then remind yourself of this statement. I care too much to let this continue. Or you can say it another way. I care too much to allow conflict to derail the family and the team or an important work. So say that statement. I care too much to let this continue. And then you can explain how you're going to hold that person accountable. All right. To recap, to have the guts or accountability of leadership, you need to speak up about things that matter. The fourth area of leadership you must conquer if you have any chance of surviving or thriving in leadership are your guts or holding yourself and others accountable. And remember, to speak up about things that matter and hold people accountable is kind. It's kind because it shows that you care. And it's kind because it's courageous. I am so passionate about teaching and living out these four areas of leadership because it's these four areas that help us to not only survive, but thrive in leadership and in life. To survive and thrive in leadership, you need to first conquer the head of leadership or mindset because mindset affects how you experience your life and work. Remember, the biggest challenges you'll ever face in leadership are the ones in your own head. Second, you need to conquer the heart of leadership or relationships because relationships are what allow us to make positive impacts on friends, family, and a team. Remember, when it comes to relationships, people just want to be seen, heard, and valued. Third, you need to conquer the hands of leadership or execution because whether it's providing a safe and stable household at home or increasing profits or quality of service at work, you've been charged with carrying out responsibilities to get results. Remember, it's not about what you know, but what you do that makes a difference. So be intentional in having a plan that's proactive in leading your family and your team towards the results you want. And fourth, you need to conquer the guts of leadership or accountability because accountability is the difference between keeping status quo of chaos and conflict or making progress towards your end goals. Remember, to speak up about things that matter and hold people accountable is to be kind. And to be kind is to show you care. And to be kind is to be courageous. Y'all, these four areas of leadership are the difference between living and leading a life of chaos or a life of harmony. And I have so many more tactics. I can't even begin to tell you how many more things I could say about these things. I have specific tactics. I have templates to share with you on how you can implement these four areas of leadership. So enroll in my Leadership on the Rocks Survival Guide course, and you're going to learn even more about these four areas so that you can mitigate most of the problems, conflicts, and constraints that you deal with on a daily basis. So if you're ready to step into a leadership role or are wanting to overcome the stress you're currently experiencing in your role, you need this survival guide course. Imagine having a great night's sleep because you're not anxious about the day's problems or conflicts because you knew how to eliminate most of them and respond to the others. That's the feeling that you'll soon come to know when you enroll in the Leadership on the Rock Survival Guide course. So enroll today and you can enroll by going to leadershipontherocks.com slash survival guide. And you know what? Go ahead and sleep well tonight, knowing that the problems, the conflicts, and the constraints 
are no longer going to define your leadership. Again, you can enroll today by going to leadershiptherockscom slash survival guide and by clicking the enroll button. Until next time, continue putting in the work of building your life and leadership on the rocks, the essential rocks. God bless. Remember, the most essential rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. <laughs>